Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. As we welcome you along to Thursday's edition of the programme. John Paul taking your calls, 1850 You can text or WhatsApp to 0862 103 103. And going through the papers this morning, uh, just with such sadness, uh, looking at the gorgeous, happy photograph of that young 14-year-old boy from Killarney, Thomas Healy, uh, but known to one and all his friends and probably family as well as Tom uh, Healy. Uh, the young lad who died in that horrific uh, car accident and now there's, there's a guard investigation but there's also a guard the Shikona Ombudsman Commission GSOC investigation both underway to try to determine the circumstances that led to this uh, crash in which young Tom at 14 died and then his 14 year old friend who was with him in the car is now left fighting for his uh, life uh, the boy Tom who died was the driver it was a 25-year-old Toyota car and it crashed on the Ross Road outside Killarney. It was about half one in the morning yesterday morning. And he's the son of the Killarney tourism uh, operator, Ger Healy. And Ger Healy will be very, very well known both in Kerry and to people who visit Kerry because he's known locally as the Singing Jarvie. They certainly are a family that's steeped in music because he's got an older brother who is a very well-respected musician who's based in London. And of course being from Kerry with a name like Healy he is yes related uh, to the Healy Ways and I know Michael Healy Way who would be a first cousin of Tom's dad Jer was out yesterday speaking about the devastation uh, on behalf of the family and he said young Thomas was a wonderful young man very talented footballer and he said all we are now asking uh, for people is to pray for the family that they may have the strength to get through all of this. He says this is a very tight-knit community. Everyone is rallying around to help support the family at this difficult time in whatever way they can. Now there was no other vehicle was involved with the crash uh, which one emergency responder when they arrived on the scene described the screen. The scene is absolutely horrific. A guard the vehicle had been monitoring the car. It, According to the Irish Independent this morning after it, it went, the car went to a reported gathering 
in a car park in Killarney Town Centre in the early hours of yesterday morning. Now, I don't know if that was one of those car meetups that we had been talking about on the programme where young people meet in their cars and uh, they, you know, people who are uh, interested in cars and they talk about their cars. Not Whether it was something like that, I don't know. But it seems uh, the Gardaí were monitoring the car after this reported gathering of young people in their cars in the early hours of uh, yesterday morning. Now, one line of investigation is that after several hours of heavy rain, wet conditions, on the Ross Road may have played a factor in the crash. Guardian now are hoping that CCTV footage, a lot of hotels and businesses uh, premises in the town and particularly on the Ross Road there's a number of businesses there that would have CCTV and they're hoping that that may in some way explain the cause of the crash. The other uh, teenager who's certainly looking through the papers hasn't been named at this stage after being cut free from the car by the emergency services. He was taken to the University Hospital in Kerry. He's described as being in a critical condition, but last night a critical but stable condition. But, uh, you know, I was reading he could have life-altering conditions. And, of course, while people were just really shocked by this uh, case, it was the second fatal crash in Kerry in uh, literally a number of hours because shortly before eight o'clock on Tuesday evening, there was a motorcyclist in his 30s who died. His bike was in collision with a car just outside of Killarney. Again, it was on the Killarney Milltown uh, Road and he was named locally as a 33-year-old by the, names, by the name of uh, James O'Connor. So his uh, family struggling to come to terms uh, with, with that dreadful news. And then this morning, there's more uh, news and it's coming down the wires. It's a kind of a breaking story because it happened late uh, last night. Three men lost their lives after the car they were travelling in collided with a lorry. It was on the N70 inbound and it seems the car was driving the wrong way down the M7 and then it collided with the lorry at Rathcool before bursting into flames. The lorry driver was brought to Tala Hospital uh, with serious injuries. It seems the car in this case failed to stop for Gardaí earlier in the evening. But then they weren't being pursued at the time of uh, the crash. But uh, they they reckon three... uh, It's just three lives. I don't know if it's males or females yet. Has it been announced uh, or an age of the people involved in that crash? But just you can't help but think of the uh, families and what the families are going through today. Their lives will never ever be the same again. And you know we think of them all. We th- we think of them all. And as um, Michael Healy Ray said, just to keep them all in our thoughts and in our prayers. It really is shocking. May they all uh, rest in peace. 1850 The over 60s and vaccinations still getting a lot of commentary in the papers uh, today. Now on a kind of a positive side of it everybody aged between 60 and 69 uh, should get their second dose of the AstraZeneca within 10 days. The Taoiseach now is coming out uh, on uh, this. He confirmed it last night and uh, and of course there's mounting concerns because of the risks posed to that cohort and indeed to everyone but particularly people aged between 60 and 69 who have underlying health conditions from this Delta variant because we know how contagious this Delta variant is. So Micheál Martin was speaking at the Fianna Fáil parliamentary meeting because obviously a lot of the Fianna Fáil members are getting phone calls from their constituents who are in their 60s who are frantic to get their second shot. So Micheál Martin said all of the over 60s will have got their second dose and he's given a date now of the the 18th of July 
the health minister has been saying the 19th so he's pulling it back by a day so within another 10 days Micheál Martin is saying that they will all all of the over 60s will have their second shot but he did go on to warn that unvaccinated people need to be very very careful over the next few weeks and of course people who've only had one dose of AstraZeneca are now deemed to be unvaccinated at one stage once you were a month after your first dose of AstraZeneca you were deemed vaccinated but then along came the Delta variant and they realised with only one shot you're only about 30% protected against the Delta variant so therefore you act as if you're unvaccinated. The state chief medical officer, Tony Houlihan, said the Republic was continuing to see an increase in the incident rate of the virus and it was important people did as much as possible to control the spread of the disease as the vaccination programme uh, continues. But I listened with interest to Professor Luke O'Neill, the immunologist Luke O'Neill, who always is so positive about things and I think he's, he's been one of the kind of the shining lights throughout the pandemic when, particularly when everything was doom and gloom he always did his best to try to put a positive spin on any story but I heard him yesterday come out and say that failure to fully vaccinate the 60 to 69 year olds he said is an absolute travesty and he says that the over 60s who got their AstraZeneca should have received their second dose by and now he also went on to say that they should have been given an mRNA vaccine for their second dose they should have been given a five are a, a Moderna and he says I feel they should be mixing at the vaccines and we know the 60 to 69 year old age group by and large they're all the ones that have been given the AstraZeneca. Luke O'Neill predicted that when the booster vaccines are given and that'll be later on in the year it will be all mRNA it will be all Pfizer and Moderna that everyone uh, will be will be uh, will be given and that's when there'll be a bit of a positive to the people who got AstraZeneca because they'll have a stronger response because then they'll have had the AstraZeneca and then their booster will be a Pfizer and they'll have a stronger response than say people who had Pfizer first time and getting Pfizer for their booster but he says it would be sensible to give Pfizer as a second dose and he says he really cannot understand in this country why they're not mixing it because in other countries they certainly are mixing it and he's kind of really scratching his head but he said he just he used the word a travesty he said it is it is a travesty that everybody between 60 and 69 have not been fully vaccinated. And there's some case studies. I was reading one interesting one in the Irish Times this morning by their health editor, Paul Cullum. He was speaking with one uh, gentleman, a man in his 60s, who is waiting on his second uh, dose. He's a 62-year-old. But he's making the point, his underlying health conditions, this 62-year-old has survived a heart attack. He's had two bouts of, of cancer. He's waiting on his second dose. His wife has underlying health conditions. Neither of them are fully vaccinated at this stage. And what's really galling to this particular couple is they're watching other people around them who are fully vaccinated. You know, and he spoke about one of his neighbours is 51, fully vaccinated. Another next door neighbour is 52, fully vaccinated. He's working with colleagues, one who's only 48, fully uh, vaccinated. Because remember, at the start of this month, there was barely one quarter of people in their 60s who were fully vaccinated at the end of last month. And when we compared that to people in their 50s, at the end of last month, 65% of people in their 50s were uh, fully vaccinated. So it's, I think Luke O'Neill is right that it has really been a bit of a travesty. But let's try and stay on the positive. We have had 
Micheál Martin come out and say that everyone aged between 60 and 69 by the 18th of July. So another, where are we at today? The 8th. So in another 10 days, they will have received their second dose. But then also, they have another two weeks to wait before they're deemed fully vaccinated. I can see uh, some comments coming in on the England win last night. Keep those comments coming because we will be dealing with that topic on the programme this morning. Trevor Welch, our soccer correspondent, is going to be joining us uh, to talk about the match last night. So your thoughts? very much welcomed and in particular very aware that we have a lot of English people uh, listening to the programme be they expats who are living with us in uh, Cork and also I can see that we have a number of people listening online as well so we are interested in your comments and I imagine the buzz and the excitement if you're in England today we've been there in the past we know what that feeling is like when a nation gets behind a uh, team now just some other topics now I'm this is the first time I've come across this and I'm Let's see if it's happening anywhere else. But uh, one of our regular listeners uh, says, Morning, Uh, the craziness has begun. My son works in construction in the city. There is a new sign gone up on the main canteen. Only people who are fully vaccinated can now enter the canteen, which now means my son, who's 21, and a majority of the workers there are uh, young and may not, and we don't know when they're going to get the vaccine. So it's car eating for them. I can't believe in 2021, discrimination, age discrimination is allowed and supported. I've got both of my vaccines, but I do respect anyone's decision and not to. Yeah, and there may be some of those young people may not want to get the vaccine, but also what I would straight away see by that is that's the young cohort and so many of them have come forward to register for the vaccine but they do have a little bit of a weight on their hands they're waiting for we spoke with the pharmacist this week on the programme they're waiting for the vaccines to arrive in so it's not necessarily their fault that they are not vaccinated but is that happening in this particular case it is in in a construction site but is that happening anywhere else I mean is that where is that where it's going to go that if you have a work canteen there will be a sign saying only vaccinated people allowed to have their lunch or to have their tea breaks inside in the canteen and how do people feel about that do vaccinated people feel that, that yes that is the way to go and while this listener is right people have a right not to get vaccinated but if you're choosing not to get vaccinated there then do you sit somewhere else away from the people that are vaccinated I welcome your thoughts on that 1850 and just to follow on to some answers from issues that came in yesterday we had one uh, listener asked us if we could check out an area outside of Middleton called Lockadara. Listener says, I walk around the lock twice a day and the hogweed by the school is absolutely disgraceful. I don't know why the council are not cutting it, ba- cutting it back and was making the point that you get a burn. You know, hogweed, if it rubs on your skin, it can, it can give you quite a nasty burn. So we did get on to Cork County Council, they say. In general, the maintenance of roadside ditches and any vegetation thereon is the legal responsibility of the landowner. It should be noted also the cutting of ditches, i.e. hedge cutting, is prohibited at the moment between the 1st of March and the 31st of August. Roadside verges are the responsibility of the roads authority and these are cut when they are more than just uh, a nominal width. If the caller has any concerns, they can get in contact with Cork County Council's Middleton Roads 
office on 021 4631554. And then the call, oh, the call that we had from someone who said that they got a cold call from someone asking them to buy a ra- raffle ticket, 100 euro, and they said it was something to do with uh, visual impairment, but they weren't too sure what it was and they were just fearful. Was it a scam and could we check it out? And loads of people got on and said, no, had a similar call. That's the organisation Fighting Blindness. Yes, and they are doing a, a raffle at the moment. So we got on to Fighting Blindness to find out what is happening and they say yes they have agents ringing members of the public so they are doing cold uh, calling asking people to join what is a private members draw you are they, they say that we, people can check out their website fightingblindness.ie and go to get involved in the fundraising section all details regarding the private members draw are available there or you can phone the fundraising team at Fighting Blindness on Dublin 6789004 but it isn't a scam it is a genuine draw and then calls coming in from people working in the Blackpool area uh, are people who are commuting in the region to say that the traffic lights which are, which are used for pedestrians to cross at the entrance to the Blackpool Retail Park just above the Circle K garage are going from green to red and they're causing traffic uh, delays. So we've contacted Cork County Council to find out is there something wrong. It looks like the sequencing of the lights has gone wrong. So we're waiting on a reply for Cork County Council on that one. And Marion in Churchtown has asked me to mention this and give it out as a word of a warning. Marion was moving furniture having a little bit of a spring clean. Now she sounds like she's having a really good bit of a spring, spring clean because she actually took some of the furniture and had it outside of the house. Not just moved it around the room, she actually had it outside of the house so she could have a good old uh, spring clean. So out on the furniture she unfortunately placed a very expensive clock. It's a handmade clock so a very, very unusual clock. She said a blue pickup van drove into her yard in Churchtown took the clock and drove off. So Marion says, could you warn others that this is happening and to be very, very careful. So she reckons that they must have spotted that the clock was out on the furniture, but literally it was all done in very quick timing into the yard. She literally just saw the blue van and it was gone. She's no other details. I don't think she's got a car registration or, or, or what direction the car took off in, but it was all done so quickly, but a very expensive clock taken for Marion and I'm assuming Marion and if you haven't I would suggest you very quickly get on to the Gardaí and report it. Maybe somebody picked up that van. It might be on somebody's CCTV or it could be on somebody's dash cam. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Jean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie. Now, with the hospitality sector once again meeting with the government today to work out how indoor dining and drinks will work for fully vaccinated people and those recovered from COVID 19, a plea has been made to people to ensure they pay for their meals and drinks while dining out. Outdoors, Michael O'Donovan, Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Mike. Michael. Good morning, Patricia. Now, thankfully, this, I believe, is not widespread. But tell me what you've heard from some of your members. Yeah, look, I suppose uh, something that's cropped up really over the last two weeks is people have noticed that, um, you know, there's a lot of walking involved in the services that we're providing at the moment in outdoor. And some people are taking an opportunity when staff members... Uh, leave, say, the outdoor area to go back to the bar, go back to the kitchen to collect food. Uh, Some are leaving and not paying for the services they've received. Now, it is a very, very small percentage, but look, it has, it it is being, 
Uh, it has been communicated that it is happening. Uh, we all know there are genuine times that people genuinely forget to pay, especially if you have a group of three or four, one might think the other is paid. That's happened to us all. It's happened to me. Uh, I've, I've, when I even opened last September, I had a group that uh, came in, had drinks, they went, and the following day I got a phone call back uh, saying that they've got to pay. It genuinely does. Yeah, happen, but, but but decent people will do will do will do that. Yes, will, will, but, but 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 you're going to have other people who are saying this is a chance I can scam this here and just do a leg or the waitress or the waiter's not around and I'm gone. Yeah, that, that's that's very what we're, unfortunate. We're saying at the moment is uh, we've seen a rise in, um, and look, we're hoping that it would be eradicated because look, businesses are uh, operating at a very reduced capacity, and like costs are much higher than what we would normally have. So, look, we're, we're asking people, please, if you are receiving a service, getting food and drink, um, please just pay, uh, pay for that uh, service at, at the moment because businesses need to, to, to be making the revenue in order to survive and create the jobs that they're creating at the moment. But, Michael, with contact tracing, would you be able to track down who legged it? Yeah, sometimes you would, but look, not all times are they, you know, um, is it worth going after them for the hassle and will they answer the phone, you know, if you if you phone? So, um, yes, we have the, the details of one member of that table, but um, look, it's, it's, uh, it, it would be a far easier scenario if people just paid yeah, yeah. For, the, for the service that they have. And look, if you go down the contact tracing route, you're ringing people, um, and like, you know, you've no guarantees that they're going to answer and come back if they're after doing this in the first place. Yeah. And for the members who are operating outdoors, Michael, how has it been going for them? Look, it, it, I suppose we're very lucky here in Cork, actually. The, the weather hasn't been, I suppose, since the 7th of June, um, disastrous. You know, yes, we have lost days where it's been uh, raining, like last Sunday evening. It's well highlighted. People had videos up of the rain that happened across Cork City and County. But on the whole, we've been very lucky, you know, dealing with colleagues up the country further, like uh, the northern half of the the, the country, they've really struggled because the weather hasn't been as kind. And um, while they haven't had rain, they've had this wind that's blowing through and it's made it really cold in the evening time. Mm. Um, so, look, we're, we're a small bit more fortunate down here. But it, it has been tough as well at the same time. You know, when you're only outdoors, I was talking to a member the other day, he had a member of staff that did 20... T- 27,000 steps on her shift um, the other day. So, like, you can imagine, there's a lot of walking, a lot of extra travel to go in and out of kitchens to get out to an outdoor area. So it is difficult doing it at the moment. But, look, uh, places are providing the service in order to survive. Yeah. What are you hoping to hear from today's uh, meeting with uh, the hospitality sector meeting with the government? It's this afternoon, isn't it, Michael? It is two o'clock this afternoon. Our CEO um, and the CEO of the Restaurants Association and LVA and IHF go back in to meet with government officials. Um, Look, I suppose uh, we want legal clarity on this uh, vaccine uh, certificate and look, the AG will give his verdict on it today. Um, and I think a lot of things then will be um, will will come from that if um, uh, from what the AG will say today. So look, uh, we've all made our cases at this stage, and look, the vaccine certificate will be very problematic. It's not a route we want to go down. Um, but look, I suppose today we'll get a lot uh, a better picture of where we're going to go. Do you have concerns around asking people to prove if they're fully vaccinated or not? Absolutely, that's that's what we've been pointing out. And look, um, um, you know, look, I was uh, away in Kerry last weekend, and like my wife um, 
and myself, we were in the hotel, we, and my kids, we, we, we ate. And, like, uh, if we go uh, away, say, in the coming weeks, and if this vaccine cert is in place, you know, we could have a scenario where my wife and myself could eat indoors, and my three kids could be outdoors. So, like, who wants a situation like that and to be, you know, at the door telling a family like mine that I can go, uh, that I'd have to split them up like that. So, like, it's... The, the the workings of it really need to be worked out before any agreement um, uh, is reached in this scenario. Yeah, sure. Only last week I had an email from a woman in Dublin who contacted us. She was booked to come for two weeks staycation in West Cork and uh, she cancelled because she said she's fully vaccinated, husband's fully vaccinated, three children, I think it was under the age of 14, none of them vaccinated obviously, and they've gone up north instead and as she made the point, their hard-earned cash now is going to be spent in Northern Ireland and she said it was West Cork's loss is Northern Ireland's gain. Yeah, look, we obviously on our National Council we have members from uh, from the Northern Counties and it's going to be really difficult for them as you've just highlighted because at the moment they're open outdoors and like people can go in one case you know 500 yards up the road to another pub and sit indoors where if they're in in this man's pub they're outdoors in his beer garden in the in the rain or you know in the cold wind so it's particularly difficult in that scenario um but look i suppose our our overall aim is we do want to open our pubs and restaurants uh especially for those in tourist areas because the you know, they've only a couple of weeks left to go, but I suppose we just have to get a, a workable solution to be able to open our pubs and restaurants. Yeah, and that's the hope that something positive and definite will come out of today's meeting. Is antigen testing for unvaccinated, is that now off the table at this stage? Well, look, it, it is uh, part of one of the proposals by government, but what we have learned is that um, NEFET aren't, uh, aren't uh, too... Um, friendly towards antigen testing is what I'll say and look again it's uh, it's getting clarity in all this and how it's going to go and look the one thing I will say is antigen testing is a big part in countries across Europe um, but they have many many uh, centres across Europe to do it and you know here in Ireland we don't have any centres at the moment and if we have to build centres or you know make even temporary centres there's a time scale involved in that and Another thing is, if, if one is built here in Cork City, it's not much good to lads down in Allahees or, mm-hmm. you know, Skibreen or down in Yall or up in Charleville. You know, people would have to travel a long way. Would they travel to do an antigen test just to go out for a few points that night? Or Un- go for a unlikely. Very Un- unlikely. Very unlikely. So, yeah. like, we would need a lot of these test centres built. And you can imagine then the, the time delay that that would, uh, that, that would involve in that. So... Um, look, all all these things are part of the discussions, but um, but if NEFET are saying it has to be a, a verified antigen test, you know, we would need these test centres, which is a major obstacle again. OK, so if we go back to the COVID pass for the fully vaccinated, and we now have more than half the population uh, fully vaccinated, it's true the Gardaí won't be policing the COVID passes. That's very much going to be up to the restaurant owner or your good sales, the publicans. Well, look, that's part of the discussions. Uh, we, we look, I know what's been said in media, but um, look, we, we're, we, we, we don't know the honest answer to that yet is the honest thing, Patricia. Yeah, that's something else that obviously we'll get to uh, discuss today. Yeah. So if you were a gambling man, Michael, how hopeful are you of July 19th to be I, pulling your first creamy pint of 2021? 
well, look, I think it really hinges on what the Attorney General will say today. That's the honest answer. You know, if um, if this vaccine pass is... Uh, is, uh, is 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 legal to do it and there's no you know infringements um on law or civil liberties or anything like that then look it's a possibility to go ahead if there's issues on it um then it's another road has to be uh, to be traveled before we can go uh, to proceed to open so look it, it it just all hinges today i think on what the AG comes back with. Okay. All right. So we'd wait and see uh, what pans out later on, Michael. In the meantime, thank you for that and thanks for joining us on the programme. No problem, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye bye. Bye. That is uh, Michael O'Donovan, who is Cork Chair of the Vintners Federation of Ireland, in advance of the industry meeting with government uh, today. Hopefully, we should know more by the end of today. 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. Text or WhatsApp 0862. 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life, and health insurance, cmig.ie. C103 and Cork Volunteer Centre presents the third annual Volunteer Awards supported by the Department of Rural and Community Development. These awards aim to celebrate and recognise remarkable people throughout Cork who selflessly give their time and talent to benefit local communities. Visit volunteercork.ie now and shine a light on your volunteers by nominating them for an award. The 2021 Cork Volunteer Awards, Friday 5th of November 2021. With the Cork Volunteer Centre and Cork's greatest hits, C103. The possible good news that we heard yesterday from weather forecasters that warm, sunny weather is set to return from early next week. More and more people will be flocking to our wonderful beaches. But a word of caution, because over the past month, swimmers are reporting weavers, a small venomous fish on beaches right across Munster. And with details, I'm joined by Kevin Flannery, who is a marine biologist at Ocean World Aquarium in Dingle. Good morning to you, Kevin. Morning, good morning. And you are very, you're very welcome. Tell me about these weaver fish and how would one identify them? Well, um, I hope nobody goes looking for them because <laughs> they're, they're nasty little buggers. But they're quite small. They're only about three to four inches. And basically the way they survive is they dig themselves into the sand. They have two eyes looking heavenly up in the air. And when they're buried in the sand, they're waiting for these little sand hoppers, you know, these little sand fleas and stuff that swim past and up they pop and, and gobble them up. And that's what they're waiting for. And they live along our beaches. But you see, like any ambush prey, when they're waiting, they're waiting in ambush for these under the sand. And they don't like to be disturbed. So 99% of the time, they don't like to be where humans are. So if you've got a lot of humans in the beach and the whole lot, they don't like that because you're disturbing everything and there won't be many much there for them to eat. So they're usually in places where people don't accumulate. In the very end of beaches are off beaches or places like that. And that's usually where people get stung by them as people are walking, obviously, barefooted in the water. And they have evolved this little spine on their back. And it's like a syringe. And it has a little piece of venom on them, a small little drop of venom. And when that picks you, you get a severe pain. I mean, a pain, excruciating pain that lasts for about 24 hours. And obviously, it's going to mainly be into the sole of the foot, obviously, then, if you walk on top of it. Yeah. And usually, I've had a few people. Well, where we learned about it was years back, fishermen, uh, obviously, fishermen were tougher when they didn't wear gloves and when they were gutting fish and you get a whole pile of fish onto the deck 
And when they were grading the fish, they get the odd pick, and they used to put their hand into as quick as hot water, nearly virtual boiling water, to get rid of the sting out of it, which is the only way possible, because there's no antidote for their venom that I know of or that we're aware of. But there is one species of fish that does eat them, so maybe that has uh, an antidote for it. But at most of the time, people won't come across Benor beaches. They're not like the great white that's going to come in and attack us. Usually it's people that wander off into uh, quite parts of the beaches and if you have a pair of flip-flops, just mm. wear them if you're going wandering off. Yeah, and if you're going to be walking in the water's edge, because it's... Uh, is there a time of the day when, when you'd be more likely to come across them or are they there all day? Usually, usually they're there at, at low water and at the turn of the tide when these little sandhoppers will be coming in feeding on detritus material, you know, dying off weed and that kind of stuff. And from here till September, you'll get them. But as I say, it's 90% of the time it's in areas where most people don't accumulate, that they don't like being disturbed because they're an ambush predator type fish. And they're quite small. And I would ask people, don't lift them, even if you find them dead or anything, don't lift them because they still have that venom, that venom is still attached. And for other fish, other fish avoid them greatly. Even the seabirds will avoid them because they know. The spine, they know the spine on the back contains a black mark. And there's a number of species that have that. And it's like a red cross to us. That this, we you wouldn't touch a person with a red cross or do anything the other way. You and it's much the same in the world of fish, where those with a black spot on their spine you avoid because it contains this little venom and this little syringe of venom that gets into you. And I've seen fishermen their hands have swollen up all the way. The vein swells up virtually all the way up. Now people suffering from any um, how would you say respiratory ailment or anything like that would want to be very careful because. You could go into anaphylactic shock from it, but as I say, it's a very, very rare occurrence. For most people, as you say, it's just excruciatingly painful, and I'm shocked to hear that it could last up. That that stinging pain could last for up to 24 hours. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, it does. It lasts extremely at least 24 hours, and you'll know all about it because I mean, trying to do that pain and trying to get pain relief as good as possible, but it's virtually nearly impossible. Do you, do you seek medical attention or is there anything? You could seek medical yeah. attention, but most of the time, even Bowman, they had referred on to me to see what they could do. And the best we can do and the best the fishermen have resolved their issues down through the years with it is that they put it into as hot a water as you can possibly withstand to where you've got the pick okay. as quick as possible. Okay, all right. But, but best but thing is, is to avoid and wear flip-flops. Yes, don't go, if you're going wandering off to the strange parts of the beaches or places where there's no human contact, just wear a pair of flip-flops. But 90% of the time, 99% of the time, most people won't, they'll enjoy it. But just avoid them, don't pick them up, they're small, their eyes are facing up to heaven and they're brown, olive brown, that sort of way, they're only about three to four inches. Interestingly, we have another species of them offshore and the French and the Italians eat them. Ah! We'll pass on that because they're ugly looking things. Uh, they are, but look, it, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. That, that, that is exactly. Uh, come here, tell us how is uh, Dingle Ocean World Aquarium? Ding, are you we're open? doing very well. We're open, thanks right. to God. We were closed for a long, long period. We only got open for 100 years last year, but thankfully we're open and we're taking bookings all the time. And, Dingle is booming at this point in time and long may it last and the rest of the country West Cork beautiful West Cork the whole lot of the places and our own people who stay at home and support our own industries that are badly in need of it because we've had a hard hard time we still had fish and we still had to feed them we still had to keep people going but we've survived and 
more importantly, most of our population have survived and hopefully they'll enjoy Ireland for the rest of the summer. And I'm assuming the fish in the aquarium, as you say, they had to be looked after. Did they notice how quiet everything was gone? The, the penguins did. The penguins did were fascinated. They were staring out, wondering, why is there nobody coming into us? Oh. Why is there nobody? Because they interact and they play and they act the maggot quite a lot. And uh, they were they were the one species we found that, oh my God, there doesn't seem to be anybody coming into us. You know, so they're they delighted were, to see the visitors they're back. They're delighted to see them back, and they're staring out at them and saying, "Look at that weird and wonderful people." And as you say, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Yeah, absolutely, and booking <laughs> booking obviously, particularly during COVID times, essential uh, for numbers and that. Is for it? numbers to maintain numbers, we do a booking outside. We don't allow just book in advance, and uh, you'll enjoy it because the experience is better with less crowds. Okay, and yeah, I'm looking on your website, half nine to half seven, you're open, and you can yep. book You can book online. Uh, listen, uh, Kevin, pleasure to talk to you. Thank you for Likewise, that, and uh, good luck to everybody, and hi to everybody at Dingle Ocean World Aquarium. Thanks Likewise. for joining us. Thank you very much. Good morning bye. to you. Bye-bye. Lovely man. That is Kevin Flannery, who happens to be a marine biologist at the Dingle Ocean World Aquarium. 1850 Our John Paul taking your calls. You can text our WhatsApp to 0862103103. Somebody says weavers are actually a delicacy in the south of France. But you're when you're in the south of France or when you're in France, they eat snails and their delicacy as well. So, I, yeah, no, I think I'd be passing on, on the weavers for sure. But just wear flip flops. That's the way to get around it. But by all accounts, uh, I've never met anyone who's been stung by one of these. But I was looking online uh, yesterday and I was reading reports from people and people were saying they have never in their entire life experienced anything like the pain that you get if you step on one of these weavers and swimmers have spotted them and they are on our beaches but mainly as Kevin said in the areas where you won't get a lot of people but that has a tendency to be areas where you might like to go for a nice quiet walk on your own to be at one and at peace uh, with nature keep the flip flaps on uh, please particularly now that we know that they are around our beaches here in Munster You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed now, let me just give you some of the commentary that's coming in about the England's win over Denmark last night and a result that means England are in the final of a major tournament for the first time since the 1966 World Cup after what was a dramatic extra time victory over Denmark. Some of your thoughts coming into us uh, this morning. John and Carrie Galine says, Patricia, regarding the match last night, it was a holy show in this day and age for something like that to happen. Obviously, John is talking about the uh, penalty, the dubious penalty, as others are saying. There are no excuses in this day and age. Soccer, says John, was the big loser. And you know what? They can have it. We are bigger fools here to be following soccer clubs. You won't see the English following GAA clubs in Ireland. It's all about money, says John in Carrigaline. A West Cork listener says, Morning, I am a blow-in. I moved to Cork from the UK 10 years ago. I was shouting for Denmark last night. England, you are cheats, says a West Cork listener. And someone else says, It was a blatant dive last night. It was absolutely shameful. And then Michael has sent me in a thread of a number of uh, tweets, which is to do with the Denmark goalkeeper, Kasper Schmeichel. And the 
video footage and photographic footage clearly shows that a laser was shone in his face as Harry Keane uh, stood to take the penalty that put England into the lead. But despite the distraction, we know Casper uh, Schmeichel still saved Keane's effort, but then the striker came in on the rebound and was able to get it into the back of the net. Even the ITV presenter Mark Chapman condemned the uh, actions with somebody else uh, footballing community Twitter handle uh, said it was disgraceful behaviour and not one that any England fan would be proud of. Michael says how disgusting that that was allowed to uh, happen. And then hi, uh, what else is with us? Um, There's another one here. Um... The just one final one on the match. Hi, Patricia. It was a great match last night and it was a brilliant result. Yes, England won. And with reference to Sterling's penalty, the referee had already denied Harry Kane a penalty earlier. So your comment earlier saying that they let it go just because it was on in uh, Wembley, I believe, was a very amateurish comment from you. We won. Please be happy. And if anybody we needs to know the definition of diving, watch the Italians next Sunday. They're experts at it. While... Um, Kind regards, Claire, a very proud English expat who can actually remember 1966 and is hoping desperately it's coming home. It's been a hell of a long wait. Our soccer correspondent, uh, Trevor Welch, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, uh, Trevor. Good morning, Trish. And uh, Claire is right, it has been a hell of a long wait. I suppose start there about what this win would mean to England. Yeah, I was listening to your comments there, and uh, obviously the big talking point was the penalty, uh, Trish, first of all. And, um, you know, players know these days, as we know, the slightest contact. If they feel a touch, they'll go down and home for the best. But VAR, though, you'd be hoping that they'd, they'd get it right. That's why they brought it in first day. And, um, you know, I've seen people suggesting that maybe uh, UEFA wanted an England final at Wembley, but, uh, you know, you, ca- you can't go into that too much. But players nowadays do, do make it difficult for referees and so on the slightest contact that go down. But I do think England were a better team uh, on the night and deserved it, especially in the last, uh, you know, 45 minutes of the game. They were, they were really on top. But what it means to England, I mean, as you mentioned a ago, they have, uh, you know, 1966, uh, they reached the, the World Cup final, their only triumph. Uh, they never reached uh, a final until now. So it's absolutely massive for, for England, uh, who believe uh, that they're the home of football. And, uh, you know, after all the heartbreak down the years for England, I suppose, all those uh, the, the, the close ones coming close in 96 in the semi-final. They've had a few close calls down the years, but now uh, they've got to the final. I think this is the best England team in a long, long time. And uh, I've been impressed with the way they've gone about their business, I'll be honest, Trish, and uh, especially the manager, Gareth Southgate, very measured fella. And, uh, you know, he's, he's made the right calls from the bench uh, tr- uh, tactically. Uh, a lot of people, I know, punters are saying England are not, not a great watch, but, you know, they they they, they did what they had to do in the semi-final against Denmark. Semi-finals, as we know, are all about just winning no matter how you do it on a night of high drama and to get to the final where they are now. So, and the football's coming home song, they've been, they've been singing that for a <laughs> while, haven't they? I mean, it's, they've, they've, they keep bringing that out at any tournament they've gone to. Yeah, I think there's a bit of irony in it, to be fair, Trish. You know, the two comedians uh, brought that song out in the 90s. Um, and I think the irony is that, you know, They've come close in heartbreak after heartbreak, and they just expect heartbreak in all the major tournaments. England so close, but yet so far, kind of thing. And uh, I think the, the lyrics were different at the start. The change of the football's coming home. Many believe, you know, that uh, the British probably shaped the modern game. I think the first international game was played in 1872. England, Scotland, the Scots reckon they shaped it. But uh, whatever it is 
Britain definitely shaped the modern game and uh, there's a bit of that as well that uh, you know football England is the home of football and it's amazing now that you know their 1966 triumph came at Wembley it's at Wembley again mm. you know it's all, it could be written in the stars for England it's all gone for them they've had the easier side of the draw for me on the route to the final Trish and uh, you know I wouldn't be surprised if they won it I mean you look at uh, their bench they, they have the better players to come off the bench and as a, a famous manager once said Bill Shankly from Liverpool show me a bench and I'll tell you how good you are I think England, England has a squad of better than Italy but Italy you know are as we know in major tournaments are very hard to beat and very hard to break down uh, having said that England have only conceded one goal they haven't conceded a goal yet England from open play in six matches which is extraordinary as well so it, it, it makes for a fantastic final I think England Italy catches the imagination better than Denmark Italy would have uh, for example uh, some comments. Sterling is down more than he's up on the pitch. He spends <laughs> his games diving. It wasn't just last night, but he does it in every match if you watch him, says a listener. And John in Clannacilty says, Patricia, the Olympics are starting early next Sunday evening and the first competition is diving. England <laughs> and Italy are favourites to win, says John. Because somebody else made that point in an earlier comment that if you want to see diving, the Italians are great for the diving as well. So we could have a yep. lot of it. Ne- we could have a lot of it next Sunday. Yeah, uh, to be fair, like the Italians have a reputation for diving as well. It's, it's in it's in the modern games, you know, Trish. And, you know, the, I know they brought VR to stamp it out, especially in 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 the important areas of the pitch, like the penalty area. Uh, so Denmark would be gutted, obviously, that the penalty was given against them. Uh, they would they were holding out for for penalty kicks in the end, and they might have fancied the chances there with Casper Schmeichel, a very good goalkeeper, and I agree with the, the laser in his eye was, was very bad form as well. I think Sterling, on Sterling, Trish, I think he was terrific last night, to be fair to him. He's, been, he's had a great tournament, and uh, I think in, in general it's been a fantastic tournament, Trish. I tipped at the start, um, Italy, France, England, they're the three. I said two of them will be in the final, because Italy were down to meet France in the semi if they got that far. So it's not bad, as I say, two out of three ain't bad. But in looking at the last yeah, competitive matches between England and Italy, uh, Italy beat them 2-1 in, in 2014 in the World Cup Finals. I think the last match was one all in a friendly in 2018. You have to go back, Trish, to 1977 when England last beat Italy in a competitive match mm. as a World Cup qualifier 2-0 back in 1977. But I think as well, Trish, you know, with Wembley, we, we spoke about over 60,000 there on Sunday. You know, um, it, it'll be a fantastic atmosphere. Atmosphere in, in what's been a brilliant Euros, I think, um, delayed a year, obviously, for COVID. But I think from an Irish point of view as well, Trish, it's worth noting that we'll have an interest there because Jack Grealish and Declan Rice, who have been uh, really an integral part of England's squad in this Euros, they were capped for Ireland 20 times between them underage, 18, 19 and yeah, 21. Yeah. You know, and there might be a message there, Trish, as well, you know, that if a player like that has shown promise coming through, you have to give him a competitive uh, debut so that you keep him in Ireland. You know, I think lessons learned there. And Harry Kane has, he could have played for Ireland as well, couldn't he? It's on the, the yeah. grandparent rule? Yeah, I think he is. He's, um, he's, he would have qualified for Ireland grandparent rule, all right. Um, there's been a few down the years, like Wayne Rooney in the past as well. But, um, you know, Kane... On Harry Kane, I backed him to be top scorer at 9-1. to one. He's four goals now. He's one behind Ronaldo. That'll be interesting as well. But, um, you know, it's just disappointing with the Jack Grealish, Declan Rice situation. Two great players, technically gifted players. I think Rice is, is, is fantastic. Uh, he'll go to a very big club soon, I'd say, uh, playing West Ham at the moment. But, you know, Noel King capped both Jack Grealish and Declan Rice at under-21 level. Uh, they didn't get a competitive game for yeah. him, I think. Declan Rice played in a few friendlies, Trish. But it's just, you know, it, going forward, I think, 
when you see a player with that much promise, you've got to you've got to uh, hold on to him and give him a give him a cap at uh, competitive fixture. And actually, Harry Kane's goal last night means he's now equaled Gary Lineker's long-standing record of ten goals while uh, wearing the England uh, jersey at major tournaments. So uh, he's up there uh, with uh, Gary Lineker. And okay, so it's next Sunday the final. It's due to be played in front of a crowd of sixty-seven thousand at Wembley. It's yeah. slightly up, uh, but there is going to be a clamour for the government to allow the, the full house is ninety thousand. Uh, can, can you see them giving in on that? Uh, I'm not sure. I know when I was reading up it at the start, Trish, uh, a couple of weeks back, they were saying that it'll be two thirds full for the final. So that makes that's it right. That's the 67,000, yeah. Yeah, so that's about, that's right, because uh, it holds um, nearly 100,000, as you know. Yeah. So um, I, I think there'll be more than 67, but that way, I'm not sure it'll be full capacity, but I think you, you, there'll be, there could be close to 80,000 at it. Okay. And then a couple of people were saying, why do the English soccer fans always seem to leave down the English team? And Jaron Ahad is saying the English fans showed their true colours at the very start of the match by Mm. booing all the way through the Denmark national anthem. And uh, it's only over 25 years ago that we remember what happened in Lansdowne Road back in the mid uh, 90s, uh, says Jaron. Somebody else is saying, why do the English soccer fans, why do they have that thuggish element about them? That seems to, you know, and it's nothing to do with the lads on the pitch. And it's it's unfair that the lads on the pitch should be even tired with what can happen with some of the fans. Yeah, definitely. And you look at Trish, there's some great ambassadors, to be fair, for that English team. But Marcus Rashford, you know, uh, trying to uh, cut out poverty for young kids going to school. He's done great work there uh, in England. You know, they seem to be a measured group. They're saying the right things. And it's a pity, as you mentioned, the fans leaving down. I was at that match you spoke about, 96 at Lansdowne Road. Wasn't too far away from the tugs, those tugs in in Lansdowne Road that time, who yeah. ripped up seats, you know, right next to me, and uh, that was frightening experience for everyone. I don't think they're soccer fans at all. They had an agenda there, uh, Trish. But uh, it's a pity that the kind of hooligan element. I was at the World Cup as well in 1990 when Ireland played England in Calgary in Italy, and again uh, you could see the hate in some of the English fans' faces, which is kind of scary. And that's the one thing. All right. Uh, that that leaves them down and makes it harder it's was for Irish fans to support England in mm. in, in major tournaments like that. Okay, and uh, the, we'll put in the last comment from Eileen in from Oi, and she wants to know if Trevor will it be pizzas or fish and chips on Sunday? I wonder. Call it England or Italy. It's like I, I was thinking about it all last night after the match, and I was saying it's very fifty-fifty, very hard to call. I think there could be extra time, but I do think, and uh, I have a sneaky feeling, dare I say, it, England might shade it because of the whole Wembley factor and the better bench, the better players to come off the bench to change it if need be. And England, as I mentioned, have only conceded you know one goal, none from open play. It's going to be very tight. I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, if Italy win as well. They've got the, the better pedigree in major finals, obviously. Um, but I just think things are going England's way and they might just shade it. And home advantage is going to stand to them as well, isn't home it? Home advantage, yeah. it's, it's yeah. big. You know that, it's big. OK, and very finally, Larry says, please, please, please ask Trevor to call it. Give it his honest opinion. Was it a penalty or not? At the end of the day, England failed to score from play. One was an OG and then one was a dodgy penalty. Doesn't scream the best team to me, says Larry. But get uh, Trevor, honest opinion, was it a penalty or not? No penalty for me, definitely no, not. No, no. And if you look back, actually, if you go on to YouTube and put and put it in, there's lots of stuff where they've completely slowed it down, and you can really see. I mean, he he barely breezed off at Sterling, and he was down. He was actually down, I think, before he even there was yeah. even contact between them. Yeah. Okay, all right. Listen, enjoy because that's what it's about as well. It's about enjoying the match uh, next Sunday. And Trevor, pleasure as always. Thank you for that. Morning, Trish. Thanks for joining us. Uh, bye bye. That is uh, Trevor Welch. R. 
soccer correspondent 1850 and there's lots of texts in on other issues as well I just want to bring this one on the when I mentioned the 60 to 69 year olds and we had Michal Martin coming out yesterday saying 10 days folks and everybody in the 60 to 69 age group will be vaccinated he's saying all the vaccines all the second AstraZeneca will be given by the 18th of July so we're at the uh, 8th of July today so 10 more days somebody is pointing out this 10 days seems to be a movable target for Miho Martin and Stephen Donnelly and Paul Reid. Paul Reid said 60 to 69 year old cohorts who would receive the second dose of AstraZeneca within two days. He said that within 10 days. He said that on the 4th of July. Now we've got Miho Martin saying everyone will be done within 10 days from today. Maybe 60 plus haven't there's some 60 pluses haven't even been called yet. Could you please find out the true story? This government, I feel, are bluffing all the time while pumping up the fear around the Delta uh, variant. 1850 333103, lines open. C103 Jobs. An Arctic truck driver is required. It's for a tillage farm in the Kinsale area. While a secretary is required, it's to cover a maternity leave in a busy office in Bandon. Qualified and trainee window fitters are wanted full-time position it is in Columni and the surrounding areas and an Arctic driver is wanted that's for local work and that's in the Newmarket area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group they don't just talk the talk they walk the walk cmig.ie I was shocked to read in yesterday's Echo newspaper a piece by Sarah Horgan outlining how one Cork City doctor has seen patients as young as 16 experiencing side effects after injecting themselves with a product to help them develop the perfect tan. Cork GP at Blackpool Bridge Surgery and, of course, former Lord Mayor John Sheehan uh, joins me. Good morning to you, John. Morning, Patricia. Now, I have to say, I mustn't be down with the young people here because I didn't even know that there were injections that you can get to give yourself the perfect tan. Can you tell me about them, please? There is, and unfortunately, Patricia, if you go on the internet and if you Google this, you'll just be amazed at the amount of online medication that you can buy that's completely unregulated, that's quite scary. Uh, Effectively, what these are meant to be is their melatonin, which is, stimulates your melanocytes, which are the cells in your body that produce melanin, which gives people um, a tan. So the, the idea behind these is that if you inject your body with them, is that that will give your, 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 your cells a kick and they'll produce more of the melanin, which tans your body. So therefore, you tan more, and if you go on sunbed, that you might come up with a, a more a bigger tan. The problem with them is, one, that they're illegal in Ireland and the UK, Two, they're totally unregulated. So when you're buying it on the internet, you have no idea what's in them, whether there's uh, melanin in them, whether there's all other substances in them, and you're injecting this into your body with no idea um, what's happening. And unfortunately, Patricia, this seems to... It's not a huge number of people, but we have come across a few younger people who have been doing this. And, you know, when you're young, you're obviously very image conscious, and if you're watching something like Love Island, there's no one who doesn't have a big tan on it, I'm sure. Um, So they, you know, some of the younger people, they're going to sunbeds a lot, they're hearing from their friends about this, and then one or two of them are, you know, injecting with it, and they're getting it from the internet, or they're getting it from their friends. And that's really... I think we just wanted to highlight it now yeah, because yeah. we didn't see it for the last year because with lockdown, 
there was no reason to be going out to anything. There was no reason to have a tan because there was nothing on. But now that things are opening up a bit more, we're beginning to see this happen a little bit more. So we just wanted to flag it and highlight it and the dangers of it. And it's as easy to buy on the internet. It doesn't get it doesn't get stopped coming in, does it? So sometimes it does, but the difficulty is so many packages come through that yeah, um, a lot of them will just slip under, yeah, uh, under they the radar. Yeah, they check it all. And yeah. talk to me about the side effects and what are the possible side effects? Of, I mean, the, even the, the idea the, of injecting yourself with something that you don't even know what's in the vial. But anyway, what are the yeah, possible side effects? That's probably the most scary thing. So, you know, if the needles are sterile or what's in it. Um, and then some people kind of get nausea and they can kind of uh, just be weak and tired with it. The other difficulty with it, Patricia, is that it, in some people it has stained. So what happens is they've injected it into that area. That area of skin has then reacted to it or to something, something that's in the product. And you end up with this big sort of lumpy tissue that's effectively sort of tattooed uh, dark brown and it doesn't go away. So you end up ah. with this sort of stain on your body. Uh, and there has been numerous reports of that and that happening, you know, and that, that's a permanent sort of mark then uh, and that people have on them. And we just wanted to highlight, because what, what generally what we find is if this happens in, in, in younger people, they generally won't present, they won't say it. It sometimes comes up when they're in with us for some other reason and it might come up in conversation. And we want to say, you know, we're not going to lecture them, we're not going to scold them, we're not going to give out to them, but just to, you know, just be a little bit cautious. There's no evidence that this helps you get a better tan whatsoever. There's so many, I'm sure, fantastic tanning products that are out there that you can just use, you know, fake tan products without, you know, putting your skin under all the danger of injecting stuff. Well, fake tan has come on so much from back in the days when everybody went around looking slightly orange. I mean, there's so many good products out there now for a fake tan. There really are. And last year, uh, a factory up in Dublin Hill, just by Blackpool near me here, uh, they open up and they they make tan products. They're making hand sanitizers now at the moment. But I remember, you know, getting a tour of that factory and they say, if you go to a wedding and you look around, 70% 70% of the fake tan on there will be made there in Cork. Brilliant. Um, Brilliant. Yes, they make it, you know, so there are fantastic products for all different skin types and really, I just advise people not to... Not okay, to and it. for parents listening, talk to your young people about the dangers of buying anything like that online. And and sunbeds, uh, John, is another one. I mean, I know only recently we had the Irish Cancer Society on who were talking about, they'd done a survey showing that uh, children under age, uh, under age age of 18 and it is illegal for anybody under the age of 18 to go in and use uh, a tanning booth are they as popular as sunbeds still as popular in Cork they are among uh, I suppose a small group of individuals the message does seem to be getting out there in terms of sun protection I think people are a lot better at that now but for a, a number of people, they, they still use them and they still use them excessively. And unfortunately, I had someone in their late 20s come into me recently and her skin had aged, I'd say, about 30 years more than her age. And she had been using sunbeds regularly and you could just already see the effects of it on her skin. You know, and there's, and no, there's no reversing that. There's just there no, isn't, no reversing No, there that. absolutely isn't. You know. Okay, and we can't have you on the programme without mentioning uh, COVID. Are, what are the COVID cases like in GP practices? Are you referring or are you not referring because it's, it's, it's mainly walk-in testing? We're referring some. We're not referring huge numbers. Cork has done really, really 
really, really well. And really what we're seeing is the benefit of the vaccination that's coming out there. And now it's great to see it sort of spread out to the younger people because they're the ones who sacrifice the most over all of this in terms of restrictions and everything being cancelled. But the vaccination, you know, it's flying along and it's really encouraging to see. And that's the thing that's going to make the difference. So I think we're going to get the numbers. They are going creeping up. I think they're going to creep up a bit more with the Delta virus. But I don't think we're going to see the same hospitalizations and ICUs and things. So people might get it, but hopefully they won't be as sick. But people still need to be particularly careful because when you look into other countries, the Delta variant, once it gets in, and from what I can gather, once it gets into a household, it's everybody within the household. It flies. It just yeah. takes off. And one of the things that we're constantly having to say is that Although people are vaccinated, sometimes they think that they're not going to get anything. They're immune. You can still pick up things. You still need to be cautious and to, you know, be sensible and take precautions and things like that. Because um, sometimes people get this over sense of security when they're vaccinated. So just to be aware, because I know of colleagues who have been vaccinated who have got COVID. So just to be cautious about that. Yeah. And there's no vaccine in the world that will stop you getting whatever it is that you're taking the vaccine to protect you from and the COVID vaccines, all of the COVID vaccines are the same. But if you pick it up, you just, you won't be as sick and you won't end up in hospital and you won't die. I mean, that's the best, absolutely. That we, that's, that's the best a vaccine can do. Yeah, that's absolutely. So you may get it, but you just won't be as sick um, and the vaccine protects you and protects your health and protects you being hospitalised and that's really what you want it to do. Therefore, would you worry with what the Boris Johnson's thinking of doing in England with lifting all of the restrictions and just letting it rip through the rest? I really would. I think it's a bit of a cavalier attitude. I mean, we all saw last night with England winning and everything, all the celebrations and all the pent-up energy. But the difficulty, of course, with something like that is most people are going to be fine but you're putting the vulnerable at risk, and that's the problem. And we all have an obligation as a society to look after the people who are vulnerable. So it's a very much sort of cavalier attitude, you know, let it go, and sure, whatever happens, happens. And really, as a leader, I think you have more responsibility than that. Yeah, I was listening to a podcast of, a, of actually a GP in England who's very worried about what Boris Johnson is, is going to do. And he was making the point that even for young people, OK, they mightn't end up in the hospital and they mightn't die, but nobody knows what long COVID, and, and we're seeing more and more long COVID, and nobody Absolutely. knows the effect it's going to have. They really don't. So, you, you know, you mightn't be hospitalised, but, you you know, I've had people six months down the line, they're still very sick, they're still out of work, and these are fit and healthy people. And really, you know, none of us want to get that, you know. So really, I think it's, 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 it's not advised and it's quite cavalier uh, in yeah. the UK and I wouldn't recommend it. So keep up the hand hygiene, the mask wearing and the social distancing. Absolutely, yeah. You know. Okay, all right. Listen, look after yourself, John. Always Thanks a pleasure to chat to you. Thanks for that. Bye bye. That is uh, Dr. John Sheehan uh, and also Councillor John Sheehan, former Lord Mayor. 1850 But John is right. Even when you are uh, fully vaccinated, you can still pick up uh, COVID. I was speaking with a family member of, uh, of mine who was telling a story of a person he was working with had to go for a COVID test because her mother had uh, tested positive and it seems the mother is doubly vaccinated but she works in a pharma plant in Waterford and they do antigen testing and she got antigen tested on Friday even though she's double vaccinated with about six weeks at this stage so she's well uh, fully vaccinated she got tested on Friday and it was negative she had the weekend off back to work on Monday and she did her antigen test as the work where she works requires everyone vaccinated or not vaccinated to do antigen testing and she tested positive and she went to have a PCR test done and she was thinking when she went for the PCR test that it was probably that the antigen test 
test was a false positive and it turned out it wasn't. She got a positive diagnosis for COVID-19. Absolutely no symptoms, feeling absolutely fine. But therefore, that then triggered everybody in the household needed to be tested. Her husband, who is part vaccinated, he's due to get his second shot next Friday. He uh, got tested and he was negative. Their nine-year-old daughter, tested positive again no no symptoms and then their 20 year old daughter tested negative so they had two positives and uh, two negatives nobody knows how it came into the household everyone's been very careful and all of that but one, the, but the thing was that the, the, the two people have both tested positive absolutely none of them have symptoms at all and hers wouldn't even have been picked up only that she was antigen uh, tested and uh, so even when we're all fully vaccinated until we get rid of COVID-19 that's why it's so important that everybody everybody gets vaccinated and we're not all safe until everybody is safe and that's why countries third world countries in particular we need to get vaccines out to them uh, and uh, countries where there's vaccine hesitancy we need to work on those countries to make sure that people start getting vaccinated because if not we know how clever viruses are they'll keep mutating and changing and we'll never get rid of it. So we're not all safe until everyone's safe. 1850 John Paul taking your calls. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. Court today on C103. With Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance. CMIG.ie. We're off to for more Guard the Station where I'm joined by Sergeant John Kelly for this week's uh, Guard the File. Good morning to you, John. Good morning. And uh, you're very welcome. Okay, you want to start with a car that was recovered in Kildallery and it was recovered burnt out. Um, there was a white Audi uh, A3. That, that's the kind of um, hatchback version of, of the Audi. Okay. Um, it was burnt, found burnt out in a remote part of Kildallery. Um Now, the last, it w- was in the possession of a gang of travelling criminals and would have been particularly active there in the last few weeks uh, around the whole area of Limerick, uh, North Cork, uh, Tipperary as well. Um, that gang of travelling criminals is probably based in the, the Clare Limerick direction. Uh, they would be normally pre- pretty active. This particular car, um, as I said, had probably served its purposes and was burnt out to evade uh, forensics uh, remaining on the, on, the, on the vehicle from, from their period of having it. Um, now, the last job it appears it done was it stole the number plates, a 151C number plate, number plates from the front and rear of a car at the nursing home there in Kildare, um the night um, uh, just the night before it was burnt out. It was re- recovered on the Wednesday. Uh, yesterday, in fact, you know, it was recovered. As I say, a remote part where it was burnt out. I, we believe now um, obviously that the gang would have had somebody to collect them and probably will already have badged up uh, another car. It could be a you know, uh, they tend to use fast cars. Uh, it could, could, could be a, a Golf, could be another Audi, something fast. Um, and we believe that this will reappear doing, doing crime probably in the in the same general area. So, yeah, so they they would have arrived in the white Audi, but there would have been another car or van or something to collect Correct. whoever Correct. was driving it. So you're looking Correct. for anybody so who spotted that white Audi a3. Yeah, he spotted that car. Now, it could have been in the early hours of the morning, more than likely, because we believe the number of plates were only taken around 3 o'clock in the morning from the nursing home there in Kildare. Okay. And it's quite likely that the car was driven to its final destination uh, in, in the hour 
may be following that. Um, so we say to anybody, three, four, five in the morning, if you were on the roads around Kildare, if you saw a couple of vehicles maybe travelling in convoy, or indeed if you saw uh, the one leaving the scene, and uh, if you have any dash cam footage of it, you know, we'd, we'd appreciate it. But for people in the next few weeks, again, keep your eyes out, because I've no doubt uh, this particular gang are going to be active over the summer months. They generally are. Um, uh, three and four, you know, you know youths, maybe thirties, you know, that's generally... Uh, the, the age group you know, involved. What the gang is composed of. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay, and then not far away in Kilbehany, there was a garage alongside a house broken into. That's on Tuesday just gone, and we can say it was at four o'clock precisely. This happened, and there was a number of items t- taken uh, from the garage. They managed to get into. into it. Um, but we are following a definite line of inquiry in that case, and we believe we will be talking to some people very shortly on that. Okay, well, well um, done. And um, advice on, now we're always talking about scams and and a scam can come over the phone, it can come by text message, but also, hmm. of course, the email scams have never gone away. This is, is this a new one from DHL? Purporting to be uh, from DHL? No, it, it, it's one we've seen previously as well. Now, in this case, a fraudulent email purporting to come from uh, DHL to say there was a delivery charge uh, uh, payable. Now, it was uh, the, the injured party opened the link and there was an attempt made to take uh, just eighty four cents, but from from their from their account. But of course, this was to check: would the small amount go through? If the small amount would go through, they followed that afterwards with 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 a larger amount. This was really a, a scoping exercise, you call it, really, you know. Um, but for people to be aware of that, aware of if you have internet shopping coming, just be aware of who is to deliver it, when they're to deliver it, if, you know, and if it hasn't been delivered, well, you know, there's generally local, uh, uh, you know, uh, delivery points for those. Or a, or a head anyway, office you know? that, that you can yes, ring. Correct, and of course, correct, since the 1st correct. of July, they've changed the rules around VAT and now everything that's coming in from outside the EU, and of course, people do a lot of shopping across the water uh, in England uh, with you know things like Amazon.co.uk and now suddenly there's VAT on everything. Now a number of companies including Amazon they'll charge you the VAT at the point of sale but others don't. So therefore you are going to have the post office you are going to have the likes of DHL all of the other courier companies having to pick up charges but these scammers know that. They know that uh, and and kind of uh, I suppose people aren't fully conversant with with the rules surrounding everything like this, you know, yet. So, you know, they're taking advantage of it. They're also taking advantage, of course, of the newbies, the people that are only internet shopping with the last while uh, since lockdown, you know. So just for people to be exercise caution the whole time, you know, as regards how they're getting deliveries. Um, another one here, and this is the 085, um, a person, a male, he got a call on, from an 085. The caller asked him to dial one. Uh, he did, and he was asked his name and his PPS number, which he gave them. You know, again, uh, the PPS number probably will be used for, for fraud purposes afterwards. So, uh, you, you know, that's just a variation. We also had a variation of, of one whereby somebody, um, obviously the the renting market is highly competitive out there now, and this lady, she came and she reported that she had made a payment of €1,000 to rent an apartment uh, in Cork City. She saw a post on a Facebook page advertising rent in Cork City. Um, she then messaged uh, the person and uh, she gave her details to the person. Uh, she gave, sent on €1,000 for 
uh, for the apartments and it was only afterwards he realised that she was after sending it to an account in France and that the person himself was based in France. So she then went in and uh, she checked afterwards um, and she found the apartment for sale. She contacted the uh, she contacted the, 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 the company selling the apartment to discover the apartment had already been sold and that they had no idea who she was after sending the money to. So obviously the details for the apartment had been copied from the uh, from the residential sales website and copied it then onto the onto the Facebook page. So maybe uh, for people, you know, if they are looking to rent somewhere, if they could do it, say in reverse, just you know, do a quick check. Um, is that apartment for sale or whatever? You know, uh, because as I say, this was how this particular scam was perpetrated. We believe there's probably likely to be more of that. Uh, happening as well, and and, um, and we know, you know, leaving cert is finished, and uh, the leaving cert results will be out at the start of September, yes. and young people will be heading off to college, so parents will be getting involved as well in renting properties, and everyone's hopeful the college will be back to normal uh, come September, and people will be back on uh, campus. So this kind of criminality will certainly increase because they know yes. that people are scrambling to get student accommodation. Yes, and we saw this uh, particular one targeting students. Um, this was prevalent in 2018 and 2019, and I've no doubt will, you know, it will reappear. So for, I'd say to people, look, you know, it's hard to earn money, you know, exercise due diligence as regards to check out, get recommendations if you can, and just find out that the apartment actually, you know, exists, not alone that it exists physically, but that it's available for rent. And the person you're paying, your depositor, is the person yeah, and go and see see the property, make sure that the key fits in the lock of the property. And because right. one of the f- modus operandi that, that they always use is somebody saying, oh, I'm overseas, so I can't actually meet you to show you the property. Yeah. And it's very easy to take photographs from someone else, from a legit page, isn't it, on, on Facebook or any of the property sites and put it onto the fraudsters website. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. This is something we've seen over and time and again. So for people to exercise due diligence, you know, and uh, maybe they already know uh, if they contact uh, people from their locality who have been in college pre- previously uh, in that area, um, maybe they already have the names of people they have dealt with, um, which is always a good way to go as well. That's good advice. Uh, that, that is good uh, advice. Okay, uh, And then companies to review their IT policies and procedures. Yeah, just a quick mention. Um, I think maybe with with everything that has happened in the recent past, um, you know, and it's not just, uh, you, you know, large state players like the HSE or banks or whatever that have been targeted. I also know of people, you know, who have, have been targeted for small amounts uh, of money. So, look, to, for people to review their IT policies and procedures, to make sure they're up to date, um, and with people homeworking and all, uh, you know, as regards emails and clicking and links and everything else. But it's it's just uh, a good time maybe to make sure that those policies are up to date and fit for 2021. Yeah, yeah. OK, all right. Listen, uh, John, thank you for that. Have a lovely week and uh, we'll talk to you again thank soon. You, Thanks thank uh, for joining much. us. Thank- Bye-bye. That is uh, Sergeant John Kelly based at Fomoy Garda Station. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. An amazing uh, 
WhatsApp in from one of our listeners uh, listening to us in uh, North Cork. And now we are endeavouring to help out this woman and see if we can sort out what's gone wrong. It's it's to do with her trying to get her uh, vaccination. But I'm going to read out her WhatsApp purely because I want to see has anybody else heard of this happening to anybody else either here in Cork or anywhere else around uh, the country but Mags anyway by, by WhatsApp says very lengthy WhatsApp says hi Patricia I'm sitting here in my car on my break in Mill Street I'm a Kerry lass listening to the wonderful C103 the Kerry people will shoot me at dawn when they find out I've gone to the dark side but I'm loving it thank you for that I'm listening to you Patricia talk about the Covid numbers and saying how many people have been vaccinated how many people have had their first vaccine and how everyone needs to be careful speaking with Dr John Sheehan we all need to be careful because we're all still at high risk and how people who haven't been vaccinated are the ones who really shouldn't be travelling so as of this evening I've decided I'm going to cancel my staycation I was planning two nights in Clamel then heading to Leash where we would be staying with family members for a few nights and then on to Dublin for a three night stay but I'm going to cancel because as I'm unvaccinated I now do not feel safe I'm heartbroken as I've done everything that they've asked and I was so looking forward to this break away let me tell you my story Firstly, let me say, I have rung, I have emailed and as of last night, I even wrote on their Facebook page. You can please check and see the response because I'm tired. I registered with the HSE ages ago. I must head back into work so I'm not going to be able to hear your responses but that's okay. Mind yourself and stay safe, says Mags who then sends me on a copy of what she put up. I'm assuming it was on the HSE's uh, Facebook page to try to draw attention to her her, her dilemma. And she says, I just want to start off by saying I don't complain on sites like this. In fact, this is the first post of any type of a complaint I've ever made. But I'm totally stuck and I'm getting, as of yesterday evening, a little bit of anxiety, something that has never happened to me before. I'm just after getting off the phone with the so-called COVID helpline yesterday, the 7th of the 7th, 2021, and I got no help whatsoever. In fact, I ended up feeling 10 times worse. The first vaccine appointment that was sent out to me was for Dublin, which is 200 miles or more away. That was about four or five weeks ago at this stage. I assumed that this appointment was sent to me in error and I cancelled the appointment straight away. That was fine, knowing they'd send me out a new appointment. Then another appointment arrived. This time they asked me to travel to Wexford on the 6th of the 7th. Oh, it would have been this week, the 6th or the 7th, uh, more or less the same distance. So again, I was forced uh, to cancel as it's too far away. I live in Killarney, County Kerry. As the rollout is getting younger and younger and I haven't even received my first vaccine yet, I said I'd see if I could, if I, I said I'd ring to see can you help and make sure that I get Killarney or anywhere within Kerry or even anywhere within Cork I imagine Mags would travel to but the lady said sorry can't do anything for you as it's the computer that picks the location. So to cut a long and very robotic conversation short my understanding of the conversation is I have to keep cancelling you're, you, when you get the text you cancel and wait for another one and hope that the next one that they'll send me to a vaccination centre that's closer to home. I don't understand this as everybody I know be it a family member or a friend have all had their vaccines and it's all been done in a local vaccination centre. So my question is what now? Am I better off trying to go to the chemist which by the way I registered with one in Killarney and yes you get you guessed it I got no reply. Then I realised why because I found out through social media sites that the pharmacists are only allowed to do the over 50s are those under the age of 34 which 
unfortunately, I don't fit, fit into. I'm in that mid category between the ages of 35 and 49. I should at this stage be at least heading for, if not having received my second vaccine. I can't seem to get my first one, let alone be in line for a second. I don't know anyone or have heard of anyone else that's having as much tr- trouble to simply get my vaccination. Can you please advise me as to what, what to do as I'm at a loss and I'm at my wits end? Goodness me. Now, we are making contact with Mag. She obviously has gone back into work, so her phone is off. So we're going to make contact uh, with her. And through her permission, we will try and get the details from her and get on to, to the HSE uh, for her. But, uh, and I do know, whoever she was speaking to on the HSE helpline, it, we, we constantly hear that they don't have the facilities when you ring the helpline to actually select the vaccination centre that you attend. And there was a time, certainly for a lot of our listeners here in uh, Cork, we had people from North Cork that had to go to a vaccination centre in Limerick. We had people in North Cork that went to vaccination centres in Kerry. Don't know if we'd Kerry people that came to Cork or not. And certainly we had people living in County Cork who had a vaccination centre close to them. They had to drive past their vaccination centre to go into the city to get the vaccines. And that did cause upset for some people. They were Some people were very annoyed about having to drive, drive long distances. Others said they'd walked over hot coals to get their vaccine, so they didn't care what the distance was. But I have to say, hand on heart, I haven't heard of somebody who would be living in Kerry being asked to go to either Dublin or Wexford to get a vaccination. It just, to me... It seems like there's some kind of a glitch in the system. And then John Paul has his suspicions. And this could be, I'm not saying that this is what has happened, because you put in your postcode. That's why we were asked to put in our postcode. And the HSC did say that they would try their best. They couldn't always guarantee that you would get the vaccination centre closest to you, but they would try their best to get you the one closest. John Paul is wondering, could Mags have inadvertently put in one letter or number wrong on her postcode and is the computer somehow thinking that she is either close to Dublin or is outside Dublin thinking that Wexford or Dublin would be closest to her because it seems two very bizarre places to ask somebody from Kerry to travel to for a vaccination. So as I say we will get back on to Mags but I call it out because I am trying to see has anybody else heard of anybody else being called to a vaccination centre that will be that far away as I said I don't want to hear about it because we've already we know we've had a number of people who in Cork went to Kerry or went to Limerick or went in, into the city but I'm talking about going like to be asked somebody from Kerry or even Cork to go to Dublin or to Wexford seems a very very a long distance indeed 1850-333-103 if you have any information on that or you heard of anyone in a similar situation to Mags and in the meantime we'll see what we can do to help out poor, poor Mags because I, I mean I really I don't want her cancelling her staycation you know she's at work she needs her she needs her bit of a break and also it worries me to hear her say that she's now starting to get anxious about the whole thing and, and suffering from anxiety, something she's never suffered from uh, before. 1850 The building collapsed in Mitchellstown. You probably were aware that this happened. Quite a shock that this happened yesterday. I'm just being told that the road is currently closed. It's to continue structural assessment of the property in question. The building owner, owner has engaged the services of a demolition company to make sure all the, to make safe all of the other structures in the vicinity it's expected, it's on the main street in Mitchellstown, isn't it? It's expected that the road will be open to through traffic from around 4pm this evening with a short single 
lane closure in place using a yield traffic management system. I always think when we get in notices like that, you're better off if you can if you're living in Mitchellstown and you or you need to be travelling through Mitchellstown, avoid the area if at all possible while that demolition work is uh, underway. Hi, this is on England and the uh, Euros. I actually this is Morris by email. Thank you for your email, Morris. I actually supported England to do well and I think it's hypocrisy for Irish fans who support English clubs to say that they don't support the English team. And actually, Morris, you're not the only person. I've, we've had a couple of other texts in on that as well from people saying, how can you say that you support the Liverpools, the Man Uniteds, the Man Cities, the Tottenham's, the Chelsea's? And people travel over to see these matches, well, they did before uh, COVID, and people pay out huge sums of money to get the kits. And yet, as soon as any of their players, some of their star players on their team, as soon as they put on the shirt with the three lines, they suddenly become, they don't want to have anything at all to do with them. Morris thinks that is hypocrisy. Your thoughts are welcomed on that. Pat says, Patricia, two amazing things happened in 1966. Yes, England did win the World Cup, but I was all also born, says Pat in, uh, from, in Mallow. No praise like self-praise. Keep it up, Pat, uh, for sure. And then someone else says, Patricia, if it was an Irish player that went down in the box last night, would we be talking about it? No, we wouldn't. We'd be saying, of course, it was the penalty. Fair play to England, says this texter. In another few weeks' time, all of the people giving out about the English players will be the very same ones shouting for them when they're playing on their teams. I cannot understand it. 1850-333-103. Then other issues coming into us. Hi, Patricia. People have got two vaccinations. The government told us, oh, you'll be safe and people would be perfect from COVID. Now we're being told that anyone that's been vaccinated can still get it. So why did I get all of this stuff put into my body? It is all lies. No, it's not. We've always known from day one, it's the same with any vaccination you get. No vaccination is going to 100% stop you getting the virus that you're getting the vaccination from. But what happens is if enough people get vaccinated or enough people pick up the vaccine, we get what's called herd immunity. It's a little bit like what has happened with things like TB, even though there has been cases of of, uh, TB. But things like measles, mumps and rubella, very little measles, mumps and rubella around because either people are vaccinated or they had the disease themselves as children and herd, herd immunity. And that's what we need to hope. And that's what we hope to do with COVID. There's enough people in our own country and indeed all over the world will either get a vaccine or will have picked up COVID themselves and then will be uh, immune and then you get herd uh, immunity. That's and, and we've always known that when we get when we got the vaccine, it doesn't stop you getting it. But what it does stop is if you are unlucky enough and you do pick up COVID-19. What it will stop you do is it'll stop you becoming very sick. It'll stop you ending up in hospital. It'll stop you going into ICU, ending up on a a ventilator and ultimately it'll save people from death. And that's the very best that any vaccine can hope to do. And any of the people that you do hear, unless it's a very elderly, frail person or somebody who uh, is medically very vulnerable, generally speaking, when people, if they do come in contact with COVID-19 and they pick it up, for a lot of people who are vaccinated, they don't even know that, that, that they have it and hopefully we'll get to the stage with enough people va- vaccinated 
eliminate it, then the virus has nowhere to go and it will eventually disappear. Now, we're still a long way away from that, but there is the, the science is there behind why you actually get the vaccine. You are still getting the vaccine to protect yourself so that you won't become unwell and won't end up in hospital. Mary says, Patricia, just to comment on the present situation with staycations. I've been listening to a lot of representatives from the hotel sector saying how hard it has been over the past uh, while not having tourists and depending on Irish visitors. My sympathies though 100% lie with bed and breakfast owners. During the 80s I personally couldn't afford the prices that hotels were charging but for B&Bs I wouldn't have been able to have any had any holiday in Ireland so my loyalty remains with that sector. I'm sure their business is almost non-existent due to the pandemic says uh, Mary. Yeah, and and when you hear the hospitality sector, and we know the hospitality sector, for example, are meeting with, are in this afternoon, I'm going to be meeting with the government. You hear the hotels will be there, the restaurants association will be there, the publicans will be there. But I wonder if there anybody in there, Mary is right, fighting on behalf of the B&Bers. And a lot of those are small little independent businesses. And I'm sure, yes, they have been uh, decimated. Now, I don't know, has anybody booked a B&B? Are B&Bs back up and running? I mean, when hotels were allowed to open, do we take it that B&Bs were allowed to open as well? I mean, Kerry and parts of West Cork would have some really really popular and fantastic uh, B&Bs. Are any of them open? Does anybody know? Let us know. 1850 uh, John wants me to mention Electric Ireland. They are increasing their prices by 90% in uh, August no doubt, says John. All of the other providers now will follow suit. This is a savage increase 9% and it will put people into fuel poverty. John reckons the government must now must now surely increase the electricity allowance for pensioners and the fuel allowance. Something needs to be done for the elderly and those that are dependent on the fuel allowance because they are the ones who are really going to be stung by this. 1850 three. Get your questions in for Jane, uh, please, our resident vet, because she'll be joining us after half past 12 today. The C103 Cork Diary. With the new Explore Cork app, a Cork County Council initiative, the perfect way to plan your staycation in Cork. Kildare Community Development, their weekly lotto draw that's on this afternoon at four o'clock in the local community office. They've got a jackpot this week of €2,300. And Castellines Community Council have contacted us to say they've launched a speed survey on Castellines Parish Facebook page. It's in conjunction with Cork County Council who are commencing a speed limit review that we've spoken about on this programme. They tell us now is the time to take this survey and have your say. If your area is not mentioned, you have the opportunity to be included in this survey. If you go to Castellines Community Council Facebook page, you'll be able to take part in the survey. Castletown Baird Development Association, they're holding their drive-in bingo Friday night. It's at the East End Pier, jackpot of €1,600 and they have a later start time this week of 8pm. And the Andrew O'Reardon Memorial Tractor Run will be held on Sunday, the 11th of July, leaving from Dairy Gold Yard in Coachford at 12 noon. Registration will open at 11am and all monies raised will go to Marymount Hospice. Court today on C103. With John Cusack Insurance's 
sale. Now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. They don't just talk the talk, they walk the walk. CMIG.ie Okay, just let me quickly go to some of your comments uh, coming in. Hi, uh, Patricia. I pity that uh, person, uh, Mags, regarding the vaccine. What a joke. We went for a vaccine and the next day we had to take another person as they couldn't be facilitated on day one. And again, the car had to travel to the very same location and go back again. It could have all been done on the same day because it seemed quite quiet, but no good. Their head seems to be in the clouds. And that's funny because we've heard the opposite from a lot of our listeners who went along and were due to say get a vaccine the following day. And, you know, they were going, they were travelling with somebody say on a Saturday and they were due to go back on the Sunday. And if they could facilitate it, they did. And we heard somebody who didn't even have a second appointment and went along with her husband and got taken in. So I, I think it depends on, I don't know what vaccine centre that listener is texting about. It depends on the vaccine centre and it seems to depend on the numbers that they have in on that particular day because they are, they do of course always have uh, a couple of uh, no-shows as well. But if they have spare vaccines, they really have been brilliant at facilitating people. I mean, I don't, I don't think anyone can criticise the guys and gals who work in the vaccine centres themselves. They are have been above and beyond uh, the call of duty and they've just been so friendly and helpful and nice and we certainly day after day after day were getting texts and calls in from people saying that they were at such and such a vaccination centre be it the one in Clonakilty, the one in Mallow, either the ones in the city the ones in Kerry, the ones in Limerick and everybody talking about how great the staff were. They really have been incredible inside in those centres and they've, they're working long, long days as well. John in Mill Street wants to pick up on Morris's comment. Morris was the one who thinks that it's total hypocrisy that we've got Irish people who support the English Premier League football clubs and yet they can't and won't support the English team when the same players are playing in the Premiership, when they put on the English jersey, Irish people just will not uh, support them. And Morris thinks that is totally and absolutely hypocritical. John in Mill Street says, just back to Morris about supporting England. Would he support Kerry if playing anybody else besides Cork, says John in uh, Mill Street. If Morris wants to come back with an answer to that, I would be interested. And John Fuller has asked me to mention that Bingo is back in Canturk next Wednesday night at the Mart Grounds at 8pm. It's the regular Wednesday night Bingo. Hopefully, he says, we will continue every Wednesday night until we can return to the Adele Quinn Hall. Looking forward to seeing all of the patrons and everybody's welcome. Limited number of seats will be available for those who do not attend by car. Okay, so they're allowing people to sit outside as well. That's a good move. Well done. I don't know if all the bingos are doing that. I know most of them are car uh, bingos, but do they allow people to sit outside on seats as well? They obviously do. Well done. Thank you, John, for that. So that's bingo for bingo fans in Cantor because so many bingo fans are still missing their bingo next Wednesday night. Mark Grounds at 8 o'clock. Good luck to everybody there. And Laura. Laura says, I worked every hour that God sends in a supermarket throughout this uh, pandemic. We also had to do extra shifts, particularly in the early days when COVID was rampant in the area and staff were either at home with COVID or had to self-isolate. Sometimes we had to do a double shift back to back, but we did it because we wanted to make sure that people had food in their bellies and we were absolutely exhausted. Are we going to get a bonus from the government now, I know what Laura, and she signs it, a very annoyed supermarket uh, worker. What Laura is talking about is the government is actively, 
Now they haven't given a definite on this. They are is actively considering giving bonuses to healthcare workers in recognition of their efforts and sacrifices during the pandemic. The Taoiseach Michal Martin is after getting in on this. He said the government was assessing how frontline healthcare workers could be recognised with a gesture from the state. He told it all. It could be in terms of a monetary award, give them some kind of a, a bonus, or it could be by extra annual leave. Now, they heard the Labour leader, Alan Kelly, yesterday. He was in the doll saying that the state needs to show gratitude. He says in a meaningful way that would make an impact on health care workers' lives. Mio Martin says, I agree entirely that workers across the economy and without question, our public servants and our frontline healthcare workers have made an extraordinary contribution in helping society deal with what has been an unprecedented pandemic, which he says has turned uh, life upside down for everyone. He said, without frontline healthcare workers, we would have been in an extremely difficult it would, it, would have, it would have been extremely difficult in meeting and dealing with the challenge of the pandemic. He said the sense of community and solidarity in this country as we continue to fight COVID is truly remarkable. And he said we must continue in that way. Frontline workers in particular put their lives at risk. Mia Martin says many were infected with COVID and as we know some staff sadly lost uh, their lives. But of course it was last year that Alan Kelly and the Labour Party proposed that the state would give healthcare workers a €1,000 payment uh, to honour and recognise the work that they did during the pandemic to save lives. And I know on Tuesday of this week, uh, trade unions, including the Irish Nurses and Midwives Organisation, they met with the HSC and the Workplace Relations Commission to try to discuss some kind of a bonus payment for healthcare uh, workers. And I I don't think there's anybody listening that would wouldn't say that healthcare workers don't deserve a bonus for everything that they have put up with and everything that they've had to do during the pandemic. The one thing I have though, if, when you're looking at healthcare workers, do you, if it's, just say, say somehow the government came up with this ball of money and that it was a thousand euro per person. Who do you give it to within the healthcare? Do you give it right across the board? Do you give it to the consultants who worked? Do you give it to the nurses? Do you give it to the ICU nurses? Do you give it to the cleaning staff? Do you give it to the domestic staff? Do you give it to the care assistants, to the porters? Do you then move out of the hospital setting, go into the nursing homes, look at the work that was done in nursing homes? Are they frontline staff? Go into residential units for... Uh, people with special needs, they were, would deem themselves frontline staff. That's just on the healthcare sector. And then you've got the likes of Laura. And Laura is right. There were people worked in retail and who really went above and beyond because there was retail settings where COVID came in. And if you didn't have COVID, then you were a close contact and you had to stay at home. And then that was left with the workers that were left behind then to do all of the extra shifts. So, while I think it's I think it's very laudable of the Labour Party and Alan Kelly and the obviously the unions are going to fight on behalf of their workers to get them some kind of a bonus and laudable of the teacher to come out and say yes you know they they've gone above and beyond the call of duty but who do you pay this bonus to and 
Is it just healthcare workers? And would people be happy to say, yeah, just give it to the healthcare workers and forget about people who also were out there all of the time, the bus drivers, the train drivers, and, you know, lots of other people would feel that they were frontline workers as well. Your thoughts welcomed on that, 1850-333-103. Mary says, Patricia, I heard last night on the news that people who got AstraZeneca vaccine kind of travel to America. Do you think that'll be sorted? Now, the last time, Mary, that came up here in the programme, we looked into it. That wasn't the case. It was to do with... Uh, people going to a concert in the States and they weren't recognising AstraZeneca. I mean, I'll certainly look into it uh, again. AstraZeneca, I know, is a vaccine, isn't a vaccine that they're using uh, in 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 America, but it is a vaccine that is very much backed by the World Health Organization. So I can't see any reason why people would be banned from travelling from the States if they have had AstraZeneca as their vaccine. But wait and we'll see if we can um, if we can find out more uh, about it. Somebody else says, Patricia, I heard if you cancel. This is for Mags, who we're trying to sort out with her her appointment to get her vaccine. Now. This sister said that she heard if you cancel your appointment more than three times, they take it, you don't want it and therefore they won't send you out a fourth one. I'll look into that because I don't know if that is true uh, or not. And to kill one... a Kilkenny listener who regularly texts listen to us in Kilkenny happy days good news hi Patricia got my call for my second vaccine I'll be getting it on the 12th of July it'll be a happy 12th of July for you in uh, Kilkenny and Pat says um, Boris and his team are the same as the football team if we have to steal it we will nothing changes over there says Pat not happy with that result last night Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com work. Shopify.com work. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Kinsale, now part of McCarthy Insurance Group. For motor, home, business, farm, life and health insurance, cmig.ie. This is the Court Today replay on C103. And Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group, uh, joins me. Good afternoon to you, Jane. 
Good afternoon, Patricia. And you are very welcome. And people can still get their questions in for Jane, please. 1850-333-103 or you can text to 0862-103-103. And let me start with a lovely text that came in a couple of minutes ago from Lisa to say, Hi, Patricia. Please let your vet Jane know that our furry feline fluffy bunny Loved her visit with Jane recently. Jane was so kind and caring to Fluffy Bunny. We are so thankful to her and everyone on the team. And that's from Lisa. Do you remember that Fluffy oh, Bunny? I do. I do. A beautiful little cat. Um, that's so lovely to hear. Thank you. Oh, it's it makes a, our day when we get feedback. Oh, I've just realised, because I was looking saying, a, a feline Fluffy Bunny. I thought it was a rabbit. Yeah. It's, it's actually a cat. A beautiful little cat. So it is very very sweet so it's really lovely to hear feedback like that so thank you so much all right because some pets react very badly to going to the vet's practice what what do you suggest to to calm an animal down they seem to almost sense that you're bringing them to the vets yeah i think it's it's a really interesting thing um, because dogs and cats are not born afraid of the vet they don't know what it is until they encounter it um i think a number of things contribute really Sometimes them being apprehensive even getting into the car, whereas they might happily get into their car when they're going to the walk, is they're very, very perceptive creatures and they'll notice a change in your pattern. Whereas, let's say, you might pick up the lead and put on your coat to to put them into the car to take a walk. You'll be picking up um, their lead and maybe some paperwork that you need to bring to the vets and your wallet, lots of other things. You'd be surprised how perceptive dogs and cats are with these things. So they'll know that something's up and something is different from their usual walk. So what I would do first and foremost is to try and just keep everything very similar to when they'd be going on a car journey to anywhere else. Try not to change anything in the pattern as best you can. Um, It's best to bring your dog and cat to the vet hungry because treats are our friends. So we can make it a really positive experience for your dog and cat in the vet if they um, are happy to have positive reinforcement with treats. So it's best to bring your pet hungry to the vet because that really, really helps us out. Um, I think you not being stressed yourself as well because they feed off our our stress or happiness or fear. So just try and remain nice and calm yourself. Don't anticipate that they're going to be worried because sometimes if we worry, they pick up on that and they go, oh God, I really need to be worried when I go to the vets now because my mum or dad is really worried. So just try and remain quite calm. Other things you can do is if your dog or cat is very fearful of going to the vet is speak to your local vet about it um, if, if they've become very fearful for some reason. Um, sometimes we can be able to facilitate them taking let's say kind of dry run trips so we might be able to have them into the clinic for a little walk around have a few treats have a cuddle with a few of the nurses a few of the vets and then go home so that they realize that nothing scary is going to happen and I think finding the right vet for you as well um, I suppose uh, dogs and cats sometimes they'll take to one approach more than another If you know what approach works best for your dog, either taking it really slowly or really happily kind of popping them into the clinic, then then let your vet know because that information is really helpful. But finding a vet that takes things, you know, very slow with them, is mindful of their fear and stress and anxiety and trying to prevent that is really important. But I suppose one thing I'd say is uh, we try our very best, but by the very nature of it, lots of pets that come to our clinic are unwell and they're already feeling yeah. pretty crap before they arrive to us. And sometimes they begin to associate them feeling a bit ill with yeah. being in Every the time so I go there, that. I'm unwell. Yeah. Or every time I go there, a needle, exactly. something is stuck into me. Yeah, yeah, that, that's very exactly. understandable. Exactly. Okay, exactly. hi, uh, Patricia, question for Jane, please. We rescued a kitten about two weeks ago. And my five-year-old dog, who is normally house-trained, has taken to weeing inside, even 
if she has just been outside or even if the door is open. Could you please offer some advice? I really need a solution. Thanking you. Now, do you take do I take it that this is directly linked to the arrival of the kitten? Mm, it could potentially be. It's, I think it's quite the coincidence to have happened pretty much when the kitten arrived. So I would think it's probably a behavioural change due to the stress of having a new kitten um, in the household when they may have never really seen a kitten or a cat or smelled their smells before. So the first thing I would do is just try and make sure you take them out to pee quite frequently. And I know you're saying that when she, she pops back in, she, she pees them. But maybe if you go out with them, take them for a nice longer walk, a little bit of play to, to get the bowels going can sometimes help. And they might do their business outside. It's really just breaking that cycle. But also where they have previously now peed inside, it's really important to clean that with a pet safe cleaner to make sure that any smells of ammonia might be gone because they, that dog will have kind of marked that area as well. That's my new toilet, so I'll keep using it. So unless you clean off every trace of pee or poo that may have been there, um, that signifies that that's their scent and they can pee there again, then you might be in trouble. One thing I would say is just make sure that you give your dog lots of attention um, because a lot of the time it's a change in their habits that can cause them stress rather than the new pet arriving in itself. Um, So make sure they're still sticking to their usual routine of feeding, walking, cuddles with their owners. Um, and just try and try and kind of slowly bring bring the little kitten into that. Now, the one thing I would say is, although it may have happened around the same time that this little cat arrived, it's just really important in the back of our minds to, to realise, well, this might be a bit of a coincidence. Is there something physically wrong that might be causing an urgency to pee? So the most common things would be um, a, a bladder infection or, let's say, a change in drinking habits due to a change in diet or, let's say, a kidney problem. Now, these are far less likely But it's really important just not to write it off immediately as just a behavioural change. So see how it pans out over the next few days. As long as your dog remains really well in himself and is happy, playful, eating, drinking and otherwise okay, just work on trying to break that habit of peeing inside. So clean really well and spend some time with them outside to get them to do their business and and build a new habit that way. Um, But if it peters on a little bit, it's best to visit your vet just for a full health check and maybe a urine sample just to make sure that nothing deeper is going on that might need to be managed medically. Okay, listeners, no name on this. A listener has a five-year-old Labrador who they describe as the baby of the family, but now a real two-legged baby is about to arrive in September. Is there anything we can do to prepare our Labrador for the arrival of a baby into the house? Okay, so the best thing you can do is um, try and anticipate the change in routine that's going to happen when the baby arrives. Now, I, I know that routine is not something that's sits well with having a new baby but try and predict a little bit how your routine would change and I know life will help life will cause us to deviate from that and new babies are the best at getting us to deviate from our plans but try and think well you know what's my daily routine going to look like now that I have a baby and when am I going to be able to walk the dog and when am I going to be able to feed and try and change as much as you can your dog's routine in advance of the baby arriving because that way you can be very sensitive to their changes in behavior and be there to reassure them whereas you may not have as much time on your hands once the baby arrives the other thing you can do is um, any obvious kind of items that might be around when baby first arrives. So if your dog is inside, um, if there's going to be cots, uh, play pens, if there's going to be little bouncers or anything like that, the best thing you can do is start slowly introducing those items to the environment so that your dog gets used to them as something that might be around. Because what happens a lot of the time is the house is 100% normal, baby arrives, 
all the new recruitments are all over the house, their routine has changed overnight and they don't know whether they're coming or going. So the more you can try and slowly introduce them in advance of baby arriving, the better. The other things that I would suggest um, would just be really careful once baby does arrive. A lot of the time, very slow, careful introductions once your little little child is a, a little bit older um, in a very safe manner um, can, can get your dog used to being around children. But what I would say is no matter how loved and um, safe you feel around your dog, be really aware that they've probably never encountered uh, young children or even more a baby. So you know dogs aren't aren't there's no malice in them generally they don't intend to be aggressive but they don't understand that they need to be incredibly careful around a small child and how fragile they are can so they get jealous don't don't take any chances they can sometimes and i think that's really important with just changing the routine um, ahead of time so that they don't associate that big change in routine with the baby that can really help um, but just make sure that safety is priority and make sure there's always somebody with the dog um when when the, the child is around is really really important because I do find that a lot of people will maybe get a little bit lax particularly with a, a long loved well established family pet it's best to, to understand never never to trust them even even though you might trust them a lot yourself Okay Tony has a three year old Jack Russell who his vet has, has said is overweight so Tony is struggling hard to get the dog to lose weight with extra extra exercise and monitoring his diet. He came home last week during the fine weather to discover his mother was feeding the Jack Russell ice cream. Uh, Is ice cream very fattening for dogs? Yes, (laughs) same as ourselves. Um, I'm a big fan of ice cream. Um, So yeah, it's one of those things that's really filled chock-a-block with the calories. So I would really try and stay away from that as well as the fact that it's quite high fat and it can cause dietary issues. Um, So it's not the best thing. I think first and foremost, well done for realising that your dog is overweight and acknowledging that and not casting it aside once your vet said it, because that's a problem that we really encounter as vets. And it's it's very difficult sometimes to sensitively convey that a a pet might be a little bit porky and and it's impinging on their health. So really well on, really well done on kind of acknowledging that. But the hard work starts now, as as I think you may have realised. The one thing I would say is increasing exercise is helpful. But really, the major changes will be made in the kitchen with food. So it's really important to be on top of the diet. You need to do it in a scientific manner. So speak to your vet about whether they hold weight clinics and whether they'd be able to give you assistance with exactly how many grams of food your dog would need at what times of the day. Weighing food is 100% more accurate than eyeballing it and just shoving it into the dish. Because as, as humans, we naturally kind of overpour dog kibble um, to, to feel like we're giving them a good meal, but also building in other snacks that um, are, are kind of good replacements for treats. So you need to cut out all of the treats, but you could potentially replace them with um, small amounts of healthier treats that don't have many calories. For example, carrots cut to appropriate sizes, bits of watermelon. You can be really, really inventive, um, but just be, be mindful of what you're feeding. Be mindful of any family members that might be sabotaging the efforts and if it's helpful, you can get callers on the internet that say, you know, hello, my name is Fido. Don't feed me. I'm on a diet. <laughs> um, so it's a gentle reminder to all of the family members yeah. that they're maybe being a bit naughty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, listen, I remember many years ago, a neighbour of mine had to do the rounds of the neighbourhood. There was, there was a great, gorgeous Labrador dog. And uh, sure, every time it came to everybody's back door, we were giving him biscuits and treats. And eventually yeah. this woman had to call and say, please, I'm struggling here to get the dog to lose weight. And then she just realised that everybody in the neighbourhood was feeding the dog instead. OK, and uh, finally, a cocker spaniel who gets diarrhoea. It only happens about once a week and then it'll disappear. Can't work out what is going on. What could be causing it? 
Okay. Um, if it's happening quite frequently, it definitely warrants investigation. I suppose the first things I'd always be thinking about would be in the clinical history. Is there a certain time of the week, be a Sunday dinner or something where they get scraps off the table or some Sunday treat or, you know, like, like the ice cream from our previous listener that might be upsetting their tummy and causing a singular bout of diarrhea. That's the most common. But if it's happening this frequently, it's really important to visit your vet for a full check. Um, as long as you can't think of something that happens coincidentally the day before that you might be feeding them and upsetting the tummy because you might need a full health check but we might require fecal samples to just double check that there's no underlying causes of kind of waxing waning diarrhea because as you can imagine if you were getting diarrhea every week even if it was only for a day you you wouldn't be feeling so great absolutely okay jane have a good week we'll talk to you next thursday Thank you for that. You too. Thank Thanks. you. Bye bye. Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Uh, some quick texts in. Hi, Patricia. If you've had COVID, do you still get a uh, vaccine? I think they recommend one dose, isn't it? If you're under 50, you get one shot and that's all, all you need. But it's, I know I've heard of people over 50 who had COVID and they were told to get two, but you certainly get one dose uh, if you're under the age of 50. And then Barry, here's a cautionary tale. Uh, Patricia, on the subject of vaccines, the person who had both their vaccine jabs attended her father's funeral recently. Sorry to hear your dad died, Barry. Uh, contacted us the next day to say she tested positive for COVID. This is not over by a long shot. Luckily, we were all outdoors. Nobody was shaking hands or whatever. But imagine something like this happening indoors if we've been in a pub or in a hotel setting or on an aeroplane where people are allowed to remove their masks once seated. A bit of a joke, really, as the young people serving them are the ones who are going to be really vulnerable. Be careful out there, everyone, and continue to wear your masks, especially if you are not fully vaccinated kind regards Barry that's where I leave you for today thanks to John Paul who produced Nick with you for the afternoon talk to you tomorrow at 7 Court today on C103 with Sean Cusack Insurance's Kinsale now part of McCarthy Insurance Group want great advice you know who to talk to cmig.ie selling a little or a lot Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc.